1: My choice. My medicare. myhealthpolicy.com. What? My name
2: is What? My name is What? Cold Steve Austin. What? My name is What? My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? My name is What? My name is What? Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? My name is What? My name is What? My name is What? My, name is, what? my name is, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What?
0: What? 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 Huh? What? 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 Huh? What?
3: Okay, right about now, you're probably asking yourself, "What the hell am I listening to?" See, yours truly, Don Tony, doesn't throw a lot of things out. And luckily, I found one of my old external hard drives that goes back to like 2002. Back in the day, during the Attitude Era, I used to mess around and mix songs, put wrestling tidbits in it and sound bites, and I got some wacky, wacky stuff that I made way back when. you got to remember, I did a hotline from 1998 until around 2005-ish so recently finding its old hard drive there's a lot of vintage gems that are just wacky wacky shit that I used to do back in the day but that creation that you heard I actually made that gotta be 16 17 years ago so with that said I want to welcome everyone to this week in wrestling history I guess you could call this officially episode two Now, a lot of you out there are probably also saying, wait a minute, you've been doing these history segments since probably the summertime of 2017. What do you mean, episode two? Well, just like the Simpsons back in the late 80s when they were featured on the Tracy Ullman show and then branched out into their own series because it was so popular, yours truly has decided to do the same with This Week in Wrestling History. Up until last week, I have been always attaching these segments to the end of the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show episodes, but starting today, going forward, these will be its own download, its own file, its own episode. And the reason why we're doing that is because, number one, a lot of you have asked for that. And another reason people have said as well is that it keeps the size of the files down a little bit more. Don Tony and Kevin Castle show, one separate file. This Week in Wrestling History, one separate file. So going forward, this will be its own entity. And because of that, I could spend a little bit extra time. I could put some extra poems. You got to remember, when you have 60 to 90 minutes of the DTKC show in the bag and you add this to it, It could turn into a two and a half, three, three and a half hour download, especially you throw in a pay-per-view recap on top of that. There were some episodes that were four hour downloads, and trust me, I know a lot of you out there love these four hour downloads, but for some, that's a pretty damn big file to download, especially on a cell phone. So now this will be its own separate entity, and I decided to go with episode two is because this technically is the second week in the year for 2018. So I would consider week one to be January 1st to January 7th, week two, January 8th to January 15th, week three, January 6th, and so on. So since this episode covers the period of January 8th to the 15th, it's the second week of the year, therefore episode two. That's how we're going to document these going forward. Now, what I will do is episode one, which took place last week, I will recreate that file. This way, if anybody wants to keep a library of these episodes going forward, you obviously have an episode one because you know what's going to happen. Down the line, people are going to be like, where's episode one? So, So there you go. Anyway. I already recorded this week in wrestling history. I just added this little intro at the beginning to let you all know that this will be its own separate entity going forward. As far as how the show is done with the sound clips and everything else, nothing is going to change. But I really hope you enjoy it. And please, as always, send your feedback. Tell me what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Any requests, anything you want featured in it that I'm not doing now, send it in. I listen to all feedback. With that said, enjoy This Week in Wrestling History. One of the things CM Punk will always be known for in the WWE is the pipe bomb that he cut about six years ago in WWE. Well, it was this week in history, five years ago, that CM Punk and The Rock closed out Monday Night Raw with an almost 30-minute audio exchange. And I watched it again for the first time since it aired. And I got to be honest with you. In a whole, yeah, we could get past The Rock getting the fans to chant cookie puss to CM Punk. But I actually enjoyed this promo by CM Punk more than the Pipe Bomb. And trust me, I was a huge uh, fan of the Pipe Bomb promo. So for those that may have forgot about this exchange between The Rock and CM Punk five years ago this week, or maybe you're a new listener, newer wrestling fan, never heard it. I will play it in its entirety later on. But first, the incidentals. What's up, everyone? This week in wrestling history, I am Don Tony. As always, I want to thank you very much for listening. And once again, thank you all for all of the feedback, opinions, comments, everything related to this segment, Uh, the private messages, the emails. I mean, I really value everybody's feedback, not only with this, but with anything. we do. Never feel embarrassed to express your opinions on topics being discussed, direction of the show, things you like, dislike. Always speak up. Never, ever bash you. If you're a supporter of the show and you don't like something, speak up. But as far as this segment, I got to tell you, the response has been so overwhelming to the point now that I am seriously considering having this as a separate download on its own for everybody each week now as far as preparing the show and doing all the work that's not going to change but we've always had it attached to the Don Tony Kevin Castle show episode but quite a few of you have said hey I would love this as a separate download it's worth its own little file so i know it's just semantics when you think about it but right now on my twitter at don tony d you can vote if you want these segments to still be attached to the monday downloads for the don tony and kevin castle show or do you want this as a separate episode entirely so if it becomes a separate episode, maybe I'll spend a little bit extra time on it. You know, like I said, the CM Punk rock promo is going to be about 26 minutes long. So obviously this week's segment is going to be a little bit longer than usual. But let's get into it, shall we? This week we cover the time period of January 9th through January 15th. And the first segment today has audio attached to it. I think there's five or six audio clips this week. But we remember in 1982, the infamous feud between Jared King Lawler and Andy Kaufman. We remember David Letterman segments, everything that happened in Memphis, the infamous promos. This is soap, soap. Fucking loved Andy Kaufman. Well, in 1983, 1983 Nick Bockwinkle took on Jared King Lawler for the vacated AWA World Heavyweight title. And um, the title was vacated following a match that those two had back on December 27th. So they had a rematch to determine who was going to win the belt. And the week before, there was a storyline segment where Jimmy Hart was attacked by Jared King Lawler. I think Jimmy Hart may have been, quote, unquote, burned. So Jimmy Hart was sitting at ringside during this match, and there was a masked wrestler by the name of No Mask. So here's the closing moments of how everything went down
2: down one but Bachwinkle slips out of it and Hard about to have a fit in the corner with dundee right next to him billy grabbed his shoulder and held him down right hands and Bachwinkle and Lawler who are both through the vicious ten minutes of it both stunned they hit the deck hard and Lawler and Hart up out of the chair gets away from Dundee. Dundee grabs him by the waist while Lawler turns Bachwinkle over he's got him <laughs> but the referee trying to get Hart back from the ropes, and Lawler still got him covered. He can't get a pin. Lawler goes over and blasts Hart loose. What is this? Here's Jimmy Hart on here. Jerry Lawler, we are dumbfounded with Jimmy Hart with no mask, and Lawler was rolled up one, two, three, and the winner is Nick Bockwinkel in 11:22. The world heavyweight title goes to it. I don't believe it. I can't understand it. What is this? Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman under the guise. You know, look at that, Russell! Come here, Andy! Come here! Come here, Andy! Come we here, got baby. the brains, baby. We got the brains. What is this kind of a thing? You- he who laughs laughs, laughs the loudest, baby. Well, <laughs> I got you you just trying to laugh at me! I'll keep coming till you end up in the hospital! Look at this man! Tell him, tell him! I am in the locker room at the Mid-South Coliseum with Andy Kaufman and Jimmy, TV star Andy Kaufman. I will tell you right now, it is not my idea, but we are interested in finding out. What led to the kind of charade <laughs> that took place that deprived okay, Lawler of the world? don't tell me oh, it wasn't a charade. Everybody you came out, yeah, he lost it out there. <laughs> don't you have anything better to do than to run around trying to no. trying to gig Lawler and bother Jerry, him? Jerry Lawler almost tried to break my
1: neck last year. He made a fool out of me. He humiliated me. He put me in the hospital for three days in traction. I had to wear a neck brace for, for five months. He did this to Jimmy Hart, broke his arm, okay? And so you say, I don't have anything better to do. I won't I won't stop I'm not stopping now look it gives me great pleasure to know that I had something to do with helping to prevent Jerry Lawler from from, oh, from yeah. having that that world title and I'll tell you I'm not going to stop now I won't stop until I find someone who's going to put Jerry Lawler into the hospital just like he did me and it won't be for any three days it won't be for a week it'll be for a month maybe for a year Jerry Lawler will not want to go back into professional wrestling when I'm through with him because I'm offering five thousand dollars to any wrestler that can put him in the hospital and I'm dead serious about this ladies and gentlemen I will not stop until Jerry Lawler is in the hospital.
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing, you just better steer clear of him, because he I would expect <laughs> as much out of you. Who well, is the smartest manager in professional wrestling and why am I? Like I said, man, can't you imagine when Lawler saw him over there, he thought he saw Jimmy Hart with a mask on, then I jumped on the ring, he faded, by winkle, pinned him. Like I said, King, and I use that word loosely, he who laughs last, laughs the loudest. <laughs> Okay. okay.
3: King,
1: King. King. That enough? <laughs> Andy Kaufman, Jimmy
3: Hart. A lot of fans of Memphis Wrestling, Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman do say that this is one of their favorite storylines of all time. What just went down in nineteen eighty-three. I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. I loved it. So 1989, WWF holds its first Royal Rumble on pay-per-view. Now, not their first ever Royal Rumble. It was the first one that they had ever done on pay-per-view. And for those that may have forgot, uh, the winner of uh, the Royal Rumble for this year, Big John Studd. This was the same pay-per-view also where Ultimate Warrior had the memorable pose down, with Ravishing Rick Rude, and then Ravishing Rick Rude attacked him with that, I guess, that workout bar that they do to, like, I I don't know, I've never used one (laughs) of them, but it looks like a nightstick, but you use it to work out. But uh, that was was an excellent pay-per-view. I just really don't remember all that much Big John Studd winning it. I know he won one. I didn't realize he won the first ever pay-per-view Royal Rumble. 1991, Chris Chavez makes his pro wrestling debut for Larry Sharp's World Wrestling Alliance in Philadelphia. For those that may not know Chris Chavez by his real name, we know him as Tatanka. 1992, very important moment in the careers of Shawn Michaels and Marty Gennetti this week as the Rockers officially split up. It was the barbershop segment. Marty Jannetty gets super kicked by Shawn Michaels, then put through the plate glass uh, window. And we know how the careers ended up. But you know what? I think Marty Jannetty should take pride in the fact that he is now actually not only a noun, but he's an adjective in the world of pro wrestling. You don't think about that all that often as far as, you know, an, an actual person. But how many times over the years have we looked at a different tag team and somebody will say, ah, he's the Gennetti of the group, right? So Marty Gennetti, hey, in these days, he's sometimes a couple eggs short of a dozen, but I think he had a, a pretty damn good career, even though, you know, he's the genetti of the group. 1993, WCW presented the Clash of champions from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, reason why I bring up this event specifically, it was the last one that Jim Ross would call before leaving to go to WWF. Right around this time, Eric Bischoff had taken over for Bill Watts as WCW's executive vice president, and one of the first acts that Eric Bischoff did was to pull Jim Ross from WCW programming. They did not get along all that well. Obviously, time heals most wounds over the years. Hey, look, it was a business decision at the time, It's not for me to agree or disagree with it, but we remember that right around this time, Jim Ross went to WWF and one of his earliest appearances, if not his first, wasn't he wearing the toga? (laughs) Uh, I wonder what he was thinking at the time. You know, coming to WWF, leaving WCW, and he's right there thrown into wearing a toga. You know, Jim Ross wasn't that, like, out of shape. He wasn't massively overweight it just everybody looked a little goofy but hey you remember the whole theme of the pay-per-view and i'm sure jim ross has talked about it in his book over the years but that went down this week 1993 one of the matches from that card because there were some injuries to some wrestlers who couldn't compete they actually put cactus jack in a tag team with dustin rhodes and sting and they defeated Barry Wonder, Mick Van Vader, and Paul Ondorf in Thunder Cage. So Cactus Jack, babyface, 1993. Also, this week in 1993, very important week for WWF. First, they had an event at the Boston Garden. And the main event was Bret Hart defeating Ric Flair in a 60 minute Ironman match. Bret Hart wins three falls to two. And re- people have reported that this is the first ever Iron Man match in WWF history. So I haven't bothered to go confirm that, but there is enough reports going around saying that this is first ever Iron Man match. Uh, so hey, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll look into it for everyone, but you know, most importantly, a few days later, Monday Night Raw debuts from the Manhattan Center in New York City. This week in wrestling history, 25 years ago, Monday Night Raw debuts. You know, I have talked about it over the years. Rob Bartlett, without question, is the worst commentator ever to have a semi-regular job in wrestling. Rob Bartlett was not around all that long. But man, this guy, abysmal, sucked. I would listen to Mike Adamley. And I know it might not be all that appropriate to talk about Mike Adamley like that right now because he has the health issues, but I'm just making out a point that this is how bad Rob Bartlett was. Go watch and listen to early episodes of Monday Night Raw with Rob Bartlett. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand because you know it was New York and they were looking for some New York, you know, style to this, but he was terrible. Fucking terrible, abysmal. And look, Rob Bartlett also worked for Don Imus. So it got some publicity there as well. But man, it was the drizzling shit. So, you know, little tidbit. You know, I think a lot of fans out there forget the heat that... Yours truly and our show Had with Damien Demento Like 7-8 years ago You remember when we had the Damien Demento Award and we were just Criticizing him and he did these YouTube clips, don't call me a Fucking jobber and he like Got off the deep end You know cause he didn't like that People called him a jobber and we had So much fun with it 7-8 years ago I think this is, actually you know What it's more than 7-8 years ago It's over 10 years ago but um little piece of trivia and I'm not bringing it up because you know we had heat with Damian Demento back then. But Damian Demento is always known as being in the main event for the first ever Monday Night Raw losing to The Undertaker. Well, do you know that Damian Demento actually wrestled twice that first Monday Night Raw and he lost both times. Before Raw actually went on the air, Bob Backlund wrestled Damian Demento for the live crowd. And defeated Demento. So Demento was a double loser on the first episode of Monday Night Raw. Something tells me that he will not be back for Raw 25. This week in 1994, Raw had its first ever anniversary edition of Monday Night Raw from the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, one of the biggest upsets in WWF history on this night. One, two, three kid, Marty Jannetty defeated the Quebecers. Uh, after a simultaneous Genetti suplex and a crossbody from the kid to win the titles, nineteen ninety five. Now, technically, this took place January eighth in Japan, but here in the states, I technically would have thought it was January 9th So I'm going to share it with everyone. One of the most infamous fights that Cactus Jack ever had versus Terry Funk in Japan. Brutal barbed wire, chairs, blood, tables, explosions. It was the IWA duel of the wilds in 1995. It was a no ropes barbed wire fire death match. In fact, later on, I'm actually going to play a different Cactus Jack promo that he had cut on WWF TV, I think in 1998 or 1999. I don't remember which year. I'll look it up uh, as we go along. But if you watch the segment on TV, WWF on Raw actually shows clips of this actual match, the IWA Duel of the Wilds, the No Ropes, Barbed Wire, Fire death Match between those two. It was brutal. If you've never seen it and you're fans of these two wrestlers and you want to see like an absolute wild, hardcore match, go online and check it out because the footage is there. But... Something that a lot of us never really got to enjoy was the promo that Cactus Jack cut right before the match. Now, I have it. I'm sorry if it sounds a little digitized, but I had to filter out so much noise and interference because the audio I got was from a VHS tape. But I think I did a pretty damn good job of it. And when you listen to this promo, If you're a lifelong ECW fan, the original ECW, and you remember Cactus Jack's promos in ECW, this IWA promo sounds awfully familiar than what he did in ECW. Check it out. Terry Funk.
1: Terry Funk. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. One man is sitting right here on my shirt, and the other man will look me in the eye across the ring because, Terry Funk, you are what the sport is all about. And tonight, right here, in a barbed wire death match, Cactus Jack will show the world that he too is what the sport is all about. Funk, you were my friend. When I needed guidance, I called Terry Funk. When I needed answers... I ask Terry Funk. But when I need to take my place in the sport of professional wrestling with the legends of the business, I show up here and I don't ask Terry Funk anything. I tell him! I say, Terry Funk, no friends anymore! Because tonight, this is my friend. Tonight, fire is my friend. And tonight... Danger is the love of my pathetic life. Because Funk son, It is only when it's at its most dangerous that I'm truly alive. And people say, Cactus, does that mean you're not afraid of anything? And I say, you no. Know, it means I'm afraid of everything. But Terry Funk, can't you see? That's what puts the spark in my eye. That's what put the flash in this smile. Because I've got nothing left to lose! You can't take my teeth! They're already gone! You can't take my ear, because that's gone too! And Terry Funk, you can't take my heart, because it's too big for you to carry! So the whole world will stay unnoticed when I leave Terry Funk Draped in pieces of flesh across the barbed wire! The whole world will take notice that there's a new king in town, Onita. It makes me laugh because where is he? He's not in this gym. No, he took that time and decided to retire. He fought in that million-dollar mind of his. Don't ruin the legend of Onita. Get out before it's too late. So I got one message for Onita's son. It says, "Itsu demo." It's so demo. it means wherever and whatever you want. If you've got the guts, but I know you don't. Because the only man sick enough, the only man mentally deranged enough to want to risk it all attack this jack.
3: It's my hero. See you at match time three. Big Bang! 20 years ago this week on Monday Night Raw, I like looking for oddball things that happened in wrestling history when I cover these. And I know it's no big deal, but if you want to see it, get a little grossed out by it. It's the 20-year anniversary that Triple H gave Michael Cole a horrible, disgusting wet willy. Do you know what a wet willy is? You take your finger, your dirty finger, you shove it in your mouth, get a whole bunch of spit on it, and then you stick it in someone's ear. And Triple H did that to Michael Cole 20 years ago this week. That same episode of Monday Night Raw, they teased that in the upcoming weeks we would find out if Mike Tyson was going to be coming to the WWF and appearing at WrestleMania. Now, as far as the news wire goes, it was this week in wrestling history that WWF and Mike Tyson actually made the deal. He was going to be the special enforcer of WrestleMania. We know how everything went down since, but it was made official This week, and they announced it on TV a couple of weeks later. This same episode of Monday Night Raw, Mark Henry turned heel, joined the nation of domination. How it all went down, Mark Henry was in a tag match with Ken Shamrock taking on The Rock and D'Lo Brown. And Mark Henry turned on his tag partner. They all gave uh, Ken Shamrock the beatdown. Ken Shamrock gets no love whatsoever. None. I've talked about it so many times. WWE treats Ken Shamrock almost on a level as Chris Benoit. I know that sounds insane, but go on YouTube, search TV Trax's channel. Just type in Don Tony, Ken Shamrock. Listen to all the clips that we have brought out about their just lack of any appreciation towards this guy. And he actually did a lot for WWF back then. And, you know, it's up for debate as to why, you know, a lot of people have their, you know, their, their reasons or what they think it is, but it's just too noticeable, too noticeable. The same episode of Raw, checked out a Cactus Jack promo that he cut standing on the football fields at Penn State. Figured I'd share it with everyone, a little entertaining, nothing earth shattering, but you may have forgot it. 1998 Monday Night Raw, Cactus Jack, cutting a promo about the New Age Outlaws. Enjoy.
1: I'm standing out here on the famed fields of Beaver Stadium at Penn State University, a place where many wars have been fought. I like to think I know a thing or two about wars, having been the survivor of many. The greatest warrior I've ever known was a man named Terry Funk, who together we shared a mutual mutilation for well over a year, through barbed wire, bombs, blood and guts been put so vile and violent that it's never before been shown in this country. And after the mutilation was over, a strange thing happened. I felt myself being closer to this man than anyone I'd ever known. So when Cactus Jack found himself in a two-on-one situation, well, the answer was clear. One phone call to Terry Funk. And the fact that this grown man wants to dress up in a pair of pantyhose and call himself Chainsaw Charlie... While I find the idea a little bit ridiculous, I say, to each his own. But as far as the New Age Outlaws, I think you've got yourselves in a situation that you're not prepared for. We're gonna make your life a living hell while we're brutalizing you and abusing you. I just want you to know. I don't want you to consider it punishment for sins you've committed. Think of it as a chance
3: to get to know each other. It'll be the Turtle ball, bang bang! This week in 1998, ECW had House Party '98 at the ECW Arena. One of the most violent matches ECW ever had: Sandman defeating Sabu in a Stairway to Hell match. During this match, Sabu had his jaw broken, and when you watch the match, you will actually see Bill Alfonso tape Sabu's jaw uh, uh, closed. Pretty, pretty tough motherfucker. One year later, ECW had their guilty as charged pay-per-view. Sid Vicious making his ECW debut, pinned John Cronus. Main event had Taz defeating Shane Douglas to win the ECW World Heavyweight title. This ended Shane Douglas's fourth title reign, which ended uh, which lasted almost uh 13 months, a little over 13 months. Another memorable match on that card. Just Incredible pinning Tommy Dreamer in a stairway to hell ladder match. Terry Funk came to ringside, hit Dreamer with a garbage can, blah, 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 blah. rest is history. 1999, Monday Night Raw versus Monday Nitro. A couple of things went down that are a little memorable. At this time, Vince McMahon was quote-unquote training heavily to be part of the 1999 Royal Rumble you go watch Raw from this week, you'll actually see some of his training segments that are pretty <laughs> pretty intense. This week also was the in-ring debut of Gilberg. 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 Do you remember who he who he faced that night? Luna Vashan. Uh and you got to remember Gilberg was already the light heavyweight champion, but he was wrestling always as Dwayne Gill. This was the first night that they actually satired Goldberg and he came out as Gilbert, you know, they knocked on the door. You had the job squad holding little sparklers and stuff like that. Uh, Memorable moment. Uh, I don't think Goldberg was all that happy about it, but what could you expect? And this week as well, China won the corporate Royal Rumble match Eliminating Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon was distracted by Steve Ordson And if you watch that match again and you look closely at, at Vince McMahon going over the top rope, that man is lucky that he didn't crush his larynx. That's all I'm going to say. Go check it out. We fast forward to 2000. You might remember a week or two ago a storyline where Mick Foley was fired. Well, at the beginning of this episode of Monday Night Raw, they did a segment where The Rock came out and uh, he, along with the rest of the WWF roster, threatened to walk out of the company unless Mick Foley was reinstated. And he was, in fact, reinstated. And the main event from that night was Triple H, X-Pac, Road Dogg, and Billy Gunn versus Foley, The Rock, JBL, and Farouk, APA. An eight-man tag match. Well, you think, you know, feel-good moment, reinstate Mick Foley. Well, even though he was reinstated that night, his team lost the main event. And believe it or not, this was the final match that Mick Foley wrestled in the mankind persona before his first retirement a few months later. So this was the beginning of, you know, the, the... uh, I don't want to say retirement of Mick Foley, but he obviously his career was uh, being, you know, toned back quite a bit at this time. It was beginning of the end. You know, he did wrestle for several years after that, but you could see this was the writing on the wall that he couldn't do it as long and as much as he wanted to in the past. That same night on Monday, Nitro, uh, infamous set of matches that took place. Jeff Jarrett wrestled and lost to Jimmy Snooker, Tito Santana and George, the animal steel. George Steele was in a bunkhouse brawl match. Tito Santana was in a dungeon match. Don't know why Jimmy Snooker was in a steel cage match. And if you re, if you remember Chris Benoit climbed to the top of the cage and did the flying headbutt onto Jeff Jarrett. So, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I kid you not anybody that, You know, remembers the Mass Maniac. You know, he used to do the shows with him. He was the promoter here in New York and Florida. He actually was involved in having Jimmy Snuka, Tito Santana, and George Steele brought to Nitro that night. He actually uh, was instrumental of those guys showing up there. And in the main event, Bret Hart and Kevin Nash fought to a no contest. The reason why I mention this, this was Bret Hart's last match as he was forced to retire Due to the concussion and the injury suffered in his match against Goldberg at Starcade. Now, obviously, Bret Hart came back to WWE Had the match with Vince McMahon But pretty much Bret Hart's career was over This was his last match And if you're curious for that night what the ratings were like You know, it, it, you remember last week We talked about how the ratings were pretty freaking, you know, powerful in 1999 For both companies well, you go one year later, Raw that night did a 6.8 rating, and Nitro did a 3.5. Now, you know, 3.5 is still not bad. But when you go from fives to threes, and then ultimately within a year go to threes to ones, and you're out of business, it's a pretty big deal. But talking about out of business, we actually got some news this week in history about ECW and WCW. First, let's talk about ECW. This week in 01, ECW held a house show at the Pine Bluff Convention Center. This turned out to be the last ever event for ECW before it closed its doors. Fans, if you check out some old accounts of fans that were there, they believed that it was the end. A lot of wrestlers also believed it. There were events that were canceled. In fact, after the main event, which featured the Sandman versus Just Incredible, they hugged in the ring The wrestlers came out, Atlas came out, Dreamer came out, they all thanked the fans, everybody was cheering, they were clapping, there was uh, some tears being shed in the ring, it was the end. And if you're curious of what the lineup was like that night, you had Nova versus Tom Marquez, Christian York and Joey Matthews versus the hot commodity, which was Easy Money and Julio De Niro. Tajiri Jerry versus Super Crazy, Danny Doring and Tommy Dreamer versus the FBI, C.W. Anderson versus Jack Victory, Michael Shane versus Oz (not that one), Prodigy versus Phoenix, Spike Dudley versus Rhino, and Just Incredible versus the Sandman. Now, the same week, it was announced that Eric Bischoff and Fusion announced their intent to acquire World Championship Wrestling. It was this week that they announced that they were going to be buying uh, WCW from AOL Time Warner. This same week, WCW presented the Sin pay-per-view. Now, originally, the thought was that since Bischoff and Fusian were going to buy WCW, that this event would be the first pay-per-view under the Fusian banner but unfortunately literally a few days after this Jamie Kellner pulled the rug over Fusian and Eric Bischoff deal went bad obviously WCW would be sold to WWE and the rest is history but what we will always remember around this time as well was the WCW sin pay-per-view that took place this week in wrestling history. That event saw the final WCW match of Bill Goldberg's career and is also well most known that night for that crazy injury that Sid Vicious suffered, the compound fracture to his leg. The whole match was a clusterfuck. It was Scott Steiner um, over Jeff Jarrett and Sid Vicious, a mystery opponent, which turned out to be Road Warrior Animal, The whole thing was just a clusterfuck, but what I will always remember from that night was the Monday Nitro following, because I swear to you, I remember doing my wrestling hotline at the time, and I think I have the archive of that hotline report in 2001. I got to put it on Patreon for everyone. I got to just research it from my old hard drive. But I remember Nitro just showing the instant replay of his leg being broken Over and over and over. I mean, it was just disturbing to see. But the amount of times that WCW repeated it, I remember the website showing it as well. It turned it it made me laugh. It turned into something comedic. And I know a lot of people at that time, they didn't want to laugh. It was a disgusting injury. But the way they kept showing it over and over and over again, I, I remember we expected to hear, like, funny music, Benny Hill music and stuff to it. It was, it was horrendous, and they kept repeating it. it oh, terrible, absolutely terrible. 2003, believe it or not, the Brooklyn brawler, Steve Lombardi, What heavyweight title. He unfortunately only had it for a few minutes. He originally beat Johnny Swinger in Ontario, Canada to win the Border City Wrestling Can-Am heavyweight title, but because he cheated, they took away the belt and gave it back to Swinger. 2004 on SmackDown, we had John Cena defeating Rhino in a main event. I was going to play it, but it's kind of corny. You could watch it on the network if you want but they did a segment where Paul Heyman was in the ring. So was Cena, and so was Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit put Paul Heyman in the sharpshooter. They were doing something that night with ivory soap, and John Cena brought a bar of ivory soap in the ring, made Paul Heyman lick it, made him bite it, made him eat it, you know, John Cena calling him a fat walrus. I don't think he called him a walrus that night, but he called him a fat slob. And he said, you know, Paul, don't spit it out. Everybody knows you swallow. It, 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 you know, it just, I was going to play it. I thought it would be funny, humorous, but I don't know. It's not that because I'm a Paul Heyman fan, I don't want to play it. It just, I don't know, audio-wise, it does no justice. If you want to see the segment, just look this week, 2004. 2005 at New Year's Revolutions pay-per-view. Shelton Benjamin defeated Maven in five seconds. And I believe to to this date, that pay-per-view is the only pay-per-view that's ever been presented by WWE from Puerto Rico. I, I could be wrong. I have to do some research. Maybe another one did take place after that, but I'm pretty certain that event was the only one that ever took place in Puerto Rico. That same week on Raw... If you want to go check it out, it is pretty hot. Christy Hemi defeated Maria Kanellis in a lingerie pillow fight. 2006, SmackDown and Velocity are taped in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Batista, on that show, surrendered the world heavyweight title due to a torn tricep that he suffered in a match with Mark Henry a couple of days earlier at a house show. Therefore, that night, they announced uh, a 20-man battle royal to determine the new heavyweight champion. That battle royal was won by Kurt Angle. He won the vacated World Heavyweight title. The reason why it was a big deal was because Kurt Angle, I believe, was part of the Raw roster and won the SmackDown title. He also did a pretty wacky Piper's Pit that night. JBL and Jillian Hall were guests on Piper's Pit. Uh, Originally, the guest was supposed to be the Boogeyman. Boogeyman came out anyway, and he bit jillian hall's mole off her face yep and if you listened to breakfast soup this week i had mentioned that there was a moment this week in in history where randy orton actually won a match and as a result uh booker t got a title yeah that actually was this week on smackdown What had happened was Chris Benoit was in the middle of a best-of-seven series against Booker T to win the vacated WWE United States Championship. Unfortunately, for match number seven, Booker T was injured. So Randy Orton filled in for Booker T. Randy Orton won the match. And because he won the match, that gave Booker T to four-of-three series win. So Booker T became the champion. And speaking of champions... Last week, I talked about how Edge was successful cashing in his Money in a Bank briefcase at New Year's Revolution to become the heavyweight title. He defeated John Cena in less than two minutes. Well, the following night, which is really this week in history, Monday Night Raw, Edge and Lita decided to celebrate in the ring by having sex. The live sex celebration took place this week In wrestling history and I I, look you look back at it and you'd be surprised at the amount of people online that actually enjoyed the segment I mean look lead is hot and everything like that but yes it did make some people feel very uncomfortable but you'd be surprised if you go look around how much of a positive that it got you know me I thought I had no business being on you know my wrestling show but you also have to admit that that night might arguably be the birth of the quote-unquote rated-R superstar. You know, and you know, we all, we also forget that Ric Flair came out during this segment, got into it with Edge, got busted up. John Cena ended up giving the FU to Lita. I never bothered to look closely, but some people have said over the years that there was a nip-slip on behalf of Lita during this segment, but... Figured I'd share it with everyone this week uh, in history, the live sex celebration. If you want to see a fun match, you're a fan of Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe. 11 years ago this week at TNA's final resolution, Kurt Angle defeated Samoa Joe in a 30-minute Ironman match. It's a very good match. So you might want to check that out. Uh 2008. The USA Network announced that Monday Night Raw will no longer be preempted because of the freaking dog show. You remember back in the day, I think newer fans never had to experience this, but every year the USA Network would air the Westminster Dog Show at 9 p.m. And it was always on a Monday night every year that this happened. So once a year, we unfortunately did not get a chance to see WWE programming on Monday night in its regular time slot. Instead, they would air dogs. Well, 2008 was the final, you know, uh, it was the announcement that it was no longer going to be preempted. So instead, they would air the uh, the dog show at the time, I think on CNBC. But I uh, just figured I'd share with everyone that same week. It was stupid. It was dumb. A lot of people may have forgotten about it. We had on TV the uh, mini Royal Rumble. It was Hornswoggle versus mini Mr. Kennedy, mini Mankind, mini Batista, and mini Kane. Yeah, there was only five people in the match. Uh, Great Khali came out. Not the mini Khali, but the actual great Khali tried to uh, beat up Hornswoggle. He was taken out by Fit Finley. 2009, as part of uh, WWE Cutting Back, big time, they released Kevin Thorne, Bam Bealy, referee Jimmy Corderas, D'Lo Brown, Val Venus, Tim White, Matt Capitelli, referee Mickey Henson, even Vince McMahon's two limousine drivers were let go. And they also announced they were going to be laying off 10% of their employment staff as well. So big things went down that time. Yeah, you know, I got to go back to the archives of the DTKC show in 09. I don't remember WWE having like big time financial problems. I think they were just trying to trim the fat. But I got to go check that out. Also this week, uh, in addition to that, uh, it was the announcement that Steve Austin was going to headline the uh, 2009 WWE Hall of Fame. This same week on SmackDown was the infamous pyrotechnics accident that uh, occurred when Jeff Hardy came out for his match. If you've never seen it, go on YouTube. There's footage there. Jeff Hardy came out for his match. The pyros went off, and they blew up in his face. People were wondering, was it real? Was it storyline? Some people were legitimately concerned. WWE obviously played off as a storyline on their website, uh, they played it off as real, but it was really storyline. A lot of people forget that I think the week before Jeff Hardy was involved in an auto accident, they were trying to make it that Jeff Hardy was accident prone. But uh, it was very believable, though. I have to give WWE credit. I mean, was it tasteful to do something like that? Wasn't there a big-time tragedy not too long before that where a rock club, because of uh, some pyro or something, that it caught fire and it killed like, Dozens of people. I, I remember some, I remember watching it on the news. I It could very well have not happened any time, during, anywhere close to this. But I just, for some reason, I think of that nightclub incident, and I have a feeling that they were actually close t- together. Uh, but uh, the way WWE did it, though, it was impressive. It really was. This week also, in 2009 on SmackDown, uh Victoria wrestled her last ever match for WWE. And with the women's first ever women's world rumble match coming up, it makes you wonder is Victoria going to be invited back to be in that match. A lot of dissension between Victoria and WWE when she first left. But, you know, WWE has mentioned her over the last couple of years. So I don't, I, I think there's obviously some dissension still, but I don't know if it's to the point where they wouldn't bring her back, you know, to be in a match something like this. Look, she could enter the match and get eliminated in five seconds. I mean, I that's, you know, how it could go down. Uh but I would think Victoria physically is able to perform. And it's gonna be interesting to see if WWE has her part of the Royal Rumble match. Uh two thousand and ten on Raw Shawn Michaels and Triple H defeated Chris Jericho and his special uh, partner, Mike Tyson. And, uh, you know, well, it didn't go down that clear cut. Go back and watch the match and you'll see how Mike Tyson basically, uh, I guess you could say cost Jericho the match. That same week, WWE released the following developmental talent Chris the Bambi Killer, Dino Carter, Lennox McEnroe, Leroy Morgan, who is Max McGurk, the son of Mike McGurk. Lift Swainer, and uh, Johnny Riggs, who actually requested his release, was granted it. 2011, Shawn Michaels was announced as the headliner for the WWE Hall of Fame Class of 11. Mike Adamley that week was arrested for DOI, but it uh, was later learned that he was on medication for epilepsy. He was cleared of all charges. Now... 2011, the same week Matt Hardy made his TNA debut at Genesis. The storyline at that time was that Rob Van Dam wanted to fight Hardy. Hardy. Just wanted to fight Hardy. Jeff Hardy was already part of TNA. Matt Hardy was not. So Eric Bischoff told Rob Van Dam, you want to fight Hardy? You'll get Hardy. I hope you're happy. It ended up being Matt Hardy. He came out with a trench coat his hair in corn rolls had put on some weight. I remember one of my old Breakfast with Blossy intros, making fun of it, uh, simulating vomiting. Remember, he's got cornrows. He's fat. Remember that? Yeah, he didn't look all that great. You know, uh, some people compared it as a cross between Raven and Tyler Rex. But uh, Matt Hardy wasn't in the greatest of shape at that time. Look, the guy has turned it around. I mean, don't even compare the two. But uh, it was this week, 2011, Matt Hardy made his TNA debut. 2012, WWE announced that Edge and the Four Horsemen were going to be headlining the WWE Hall of Fame Class of 12. Brodus Clay, this week in 2012, made his debut on WWE television. And finally, this week for 2012, Primo and Epico win the WWE tag titles at a house show in Oakland, California, defeating Evan Bourne and Kofi Kingston. Now, I know that may sound very familiar for a lot of you recently because I talked about that title change when we got into various house show title changes recently because AJ Styles had won the title at the Garden This is something that I have said over the years is something that WWE should do more often. It might spark more people to go to house shows if they think that there's a greater chance a title could change. Now, even though WWE never said that these were related, I think they were common sense. The likely reason why this title change took place in California at a house show is because two days later, On WWE's website, they announced Evan Bourne had failed the wellness program for a second time and, as a result, was suspended for 60 days. So there you go. This week, 2012. One year later, 2013, Mick Foley was announced that he was going to be part of the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2013. 2013 also gave us the very last match ever between Rob Van Dam And Jerry Lynn. And that was at a TNA one night only pay-per-view. This was pretty much the retirement of Jerry Lynn. After the match, they hugged. Other wrestlers from the locker room came out. They saluted Jerry Lynn. And it was legit. Jerry Lynn was retiring at that time. And, uh, you know, RVD versus Jerry Lynn is one of the greatest feuds of our generation. As far as, you know, may not have gotten the notoriety of others. But as far as competition in the ring, beautiful. You know, you think of Eddie Guerrero versus D. Malenko, Rey Mysterio versus uh, psychosis. I put RVD versus Jerry Lynn right up there as well. 2013 also had a lawsuit uh, end between TNA and WWE. Now I'm going to read this uh, word for word from a couple of websites that reported it at the time just to give you an idea. Because a name is going to pop up that those on the Northeast, those from USA Pro Wrestling will remember this person clearly because I worked with him. The document filed on January 15th, TNA advised the court that both sides, them and WWE had agreed to cover their own legal cost and the suit had been withdrawn. There had been movement in the case after the court filed a permanent injunction against former WWE and TNA office worker Brian Wittenstein. Remember Brian with the clipboard, USA Pro Wrestling? Brian Wittenstein, that him, that Brian, and the other defendant in the case, the Chancery Court of Tennessee in Davidson County, officially ordered an injunction against former TNA and WWE office staffer Brian Wittenstein on August 20th for Wittenstein's alleged role in the TNA lawsuit against him and WWE. The order demanded that Wittenstein return all information he downloaded from TNA onto a flash drive after leaving his employment there, not speaking of any TNA information to any third parties, including WWE, and not breach any agreements he had signed with TNA. lawsuit was filed after WWE notified TNA That Wittenstein had handed over a flash drive containing confidential TNA documents, including contracts, contracts for talent. At the same time, Ric Flair informed TNA that he wanted a release from his deal in order to go back to WWE. Armed with those two situations, TNA felt WWE had targeted them and went on the offensive. Early on in the suit, WWE had a temporary injunction placed against them requiring them to return any confidential confidential TNA documents that were in possession uh, they were in possession of. WWE had already returned the material of the TNA by the time the lawsuit was filed and presented evidence to the court that they had p- policed their own company email and file servers to prove that they had not maintained any of the confidential material for their own usage. Court was satisfied with that and released WWE from their injunction. Contrary to persistent rumors, at no time was WWE enjoined from hiring or negotiating with former TNA talents or TNA talents whose deals were expiring. Over the course of the lawsuit, the Ric Flair aspect of the case appeared to be moot, as WWE filed documents indicating that TNA had already released Ric Flair prior to filing the lawsuit. WWE claimed at the time they had no interest in hiring Ric Flair, who had made two appearances for the company since his TNA no-compete expired. TNA had been suing for interference with existing contracts, conversion, breach of contract, civil conspiracy, unfair competition, and violation of the Tennessee Uniform Trade Secrets Act. They were also suing Brian Wittenstein for breach of duty and of loyalty and were seeking reimbursement of payments made to Wittenstein as part of their severance agreement as well as their attorney fees and expenses. So that's pretty much what went down. Brian Wittenstein Used to work for USA Pro Wrestling and Frank Goodman, Mass Maniac. In fact, when I got involved a little bit with USA Pro Wrestling, which was around, I'd say 2004, 2005, Brian Weinstein was young. Was he maybe 20 years old? I mean, he was when he started working for Frank Goodman, I think he was like 17 years old. And he would always walk around with a clip clipboard. You know, he would tell when the wrestlers were to come out. And, you know, Brian wasn't a bad guy. I mean, he, you know, did well. But when he got the job for TNA and even, you know, got hired with WWE, we were all surprised because, number one, he was so young and really did not have, you know, that much experience as far as like a booker or anything like that. I, I don't want to use the term golfer, but he was more of like an assistant, a golfer. And, you know, there's been speculation over the years, Longtime listeners will remember. We used to have a guy called Mr. Mystery who used to give us a lot of dirt and a lot of backstage stuff from, from TNA that no one else had. You go back to the early episodes of the DTKC show and the Minority Report, if you go to our website, DonTonyKevinCastle.com and search Mr. Mystery, you will see show after show after show. Where we broke major things going on in TNA that no one else did. You know, I I don't break news now. I mean, I like I don't I like to be right. I'm an opinion show more than anything else. But obviously, when there are stories, I will verify things on my own. I'll contact my own sources, but. I'm not, you know, a reporter. I don't go out looking to report news every single day. All right, kudos to everybody that does. But what I do here is different. But at that time, we weren't going to refuse the information. Mr. Mystery gave us crazy, crazy shit. And I'm not even going to bring up examples. But you go back then, you, you realize it. And it was funny because all the mainstream websites would not give us credit for anything, but... We consider that a badge of honor, but over the years, a lot of people thought that Brian Wittenstein was Mr. Mystery, and for those that keep asking me that question, I still will refuse to answer it. So there you go. We're almost done, everyone. 2013, as I had mentioned earlier in the night, was the infamous moment that, uh, moment, 25, 30 minutes worth of moments between CM Punk and The Rock closing out Monday Night Raw For everybody that wanted to enjoy their back and forth, here it is in its entirety. And then after it's done, I will read you what superstar Billy Graham had to say about it. The time
4: has come to tell you all
3: something very
4: personal. See, I keep my ear to the ground and I hear everything everybody says... And for the past year and a half, the words pipe bomb have been completely misunderstood and misused. It doesn't seem anybody in the universe understands what it means. Anybody in this company doesn't understand what a pipe bomb is. Basically, what a pipe bomb is in its truest form is the truth. It's honesty. You boil it down, and the essence of a pipe bomb is exactly what all of you lack. Honesty. Seems the perception of me is somebody who was a little disgruntled, sat down on a stage in Las Vegas and aired his grievances and said, pipe bomb. I became the voice of the voiceless. And then maybe my ego was like a runaway train and and I, I suddenly bitched and moaned and complained about respect and how I didn't get enough of it. And then I turned my back on the people. Well, that's a lie. Don't be mistaken. I meant everything I said when I said it. Except the part about ice cream. Because I look out here and the last thing any of you people need is more bars of ice cream. But I was shortchanged, and I was disrespected, and sure, I could have just swallowed that bitter pill and accepted my position in the company like everybody else in the back, or I could have left. Instead, I made a conscious decision, and I sold out. To you, to you, I sold out. To me, I cashed in. See, I created this persona, this rebel this anti-hero that you all love to cheer for, because I knew that you all love to cheer for your superheroes. Because here's the truth about Las Vegas, here's the truth about the WWE, is that it, it doesn't matter if you're the best wrestler, it doesn't matter if you're the best talker, it doesn't matter if you're the best overall performer, it doesn't matter if you make the two clowns sitting to my left on commentary look like amateur hour, There is a glass ceiling, and nobody is allowed to break it. That's the simple story of this place. The more popular you are, the more money you make. The more you people cheer for any given superstar, the more opportunities you're afforded. Why do you think a guy like John Cena who has admittedly had the worst year of his career gets title shot after title shot after title shot after title shot. Or or why a lethal grappler, why a a serious submission specialist like Daniel Bryan puts a smile on his face and saddles himself, belittles himself with catchphrases. Or why a 400-pound monster, Brodus Clay, soils his hands by touching your filthy, ugly little children to get in the ring so he can shuck and jive for you. Or why an invisible child, little Jimmy, is better positioned on the flagship show Monday Night Raw than a workhorse like Tyson Kidd. Look, they're doing it now. You're doing it now. You're falling for everything I say. You're playing into my hands, but this is the way it is. And this is the way you want it because this is the way you handle it. It's easy, it's saccharine, it's simple to digest because you people can handle anything complicated. You people can't stomach anything interesting. This is the way it's been since the beginning of time. We're all here in the circus to entertain you. And nobody's ever been able to attain a modicum of success without you except for now until I showed up. I have become the most successful WWE champion of all time. Not of the modern era. Now that's another little buzzword that somebody backstage wants you to say. They probably want to put it on a t-shirt. But that's the way you get noticed. You don't get noticed until you start to move a couple of t-shirts around here. If I If I competed in Bruno San Martino's era, I'd have been champion for 20 years too. No, I'd have been champion for 30 years. Because wrestling one night a month in Madison Square Garden is easy. You never see a Hulk Hogan wrestle TLC matches against a superstar like Ryback. Because he had it easy. I wrestle physically demanding matches on free television week in and week out. So much that my one year equals 30 of theirs And I have attained this success Not not because of you. I am successful not because of you I am successful in spite of you No, I'm the most honest man in this building. I'm the most honest man in this company because everybody else has got the same old tired crybaby story. They'll come out here and they'll say, I do it for the people. I do it for all of you. Let's hear it for Tampa, Florida. Here's some honesty. I watched Roddy Piper smash a coconut over Jimmy Snooker's head, and I sure as hell didn't say, golly gee, I can't wait to go electrify the people of Tampa Bay, Florida. No, because I don't care about the people of Tampa Bay, Florida. There's good guys and there's bad guys in this world, and make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, I am a bad, bad man. And I can freely admit it. But Ric Flair will come out here and he'll cry his 182-year eyes out and say, oh, I did it for all of you. Now they're wooing. (laughs) Shawn Michaels can come out here and lose his smile and find his smile. But then in in a tearful Hall of Fame speech, he'll say that his entire career was just to gain your acceptance. And then a man like Edge... Is forced to retire, and he'll say that he misses competing for people like you. Now, these people, these men are either weak or they're dishonest and they're liars. It's either one or the other. But I, I am neither weak or dishonest, I'm the best in the world. types of people on this earth, those born to be in the spotlight, and those born to pay to see the people in the spotlight. Ladies and gentlemen, there's winners and losers. Guess which one you are. You were born to pay to see champions like me. It's not the other way around. And I'll be the first guy to come out here and admit it. I'm honest, I have never ever done this for any of you. There's superstars and there's nobodies. I am a superstar, you are all nobodies and I'm a real superstar. Those real superstars, hell, if they're your friends, why don't they come out here and give you the millions and millions of dollars they earn? Why don't they line your pockets? Cuz that's that's not your position on earth. I don't believe it. Oh, I'm being told that we have to take a commercial break. I'm not not done, let me explain something to you let me explain to everybody in the truck we don't go to break when you want to go to break we go to break when the champ wants to go to break listen up and understand something because the rock's going to come out here and he's going to talk a whole lot but I will now tell you the most important thing you're going to hear tonight you I can't wait to do hear not for the matter raw. you Do enough from CM Do not Punk. matter You do not matter none of you matter what you want doesn't matter
2: And we are back live on Monday night Raw. CM Punk
4: uh, upset that we had to go to commercial break so during I stand this. here oh, on the oh. first raw of 2013 your WWE champion and I promise you in one year's time I will stand in this ring on the first raw of 2014 still your WWE Champion. What fuels me is your constant disappointment and your self-appointed superheroes to be able to drag this title away from me. And now The Rock has come back, but it's not going to change the fact that I'm the WWE Champion, and I'm not going to let The Rock tear down everything that I fought so hard to attain. No, 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 no. Not at all. You know, in 2011 when I defeated Alberto Del Rio for this title at Madison Square Garden, I didn't just beat Alberto Del Rio, I beat the system. And every time after that, when I beat one of your superheroes, and I don't care if it was John Cena, Ryback, Chris Jericho, Kane, Big Show, Dolph Ziggler any of the litany of superstars that I've defeated. I wasn't just beating them, I was beating all of you. And for 414 days, that's exactly what I've done. In your face, jerks, I have beaten you. I have stomped you out under my oppressive boot. And I'm gonna do the same thing to The Rock because I don't care if he's back. You all do not get to win. You. Are losers. You do not get to win. You do not smile.
0: The Rock had to hear it all. The Rock wanted to wait until you said everything you had to say. So The Rock knew exactly the kind of man he's dealing with at the Royal Rumble. And now it's become crystal clear to The Rock. You are straight up delusional. You keep mentioning that number 414. 414 days, you've been WWE champion. That's incredible. Incredible. The real number. It ain't 414, Jack. The real number that haunts your dreams is 20. 20 excuses running around your mind right now. 20 hairs standing up on your straight-edge scrotum. Because you know... You know, in 20 days, you're going to be defending that WWE Championship against The Rock. Which means, in 20 days, you know, The Rock knows, they know. In 20 days, time's up. You want to change. You wanted a revolution. You say that when you became WWE Champion, you rejected the people. No, 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 no. The people rejected you. You talked about change. You couldn't do it. You talked about revolution. You couldn't do it. You came out and you promised everybody ice cream bars. Ice cream bars for everybody. And you couldn't even do that. You couldn't provide ice cream if the Dairy Queen Carvel and Cookie Puss drove an ice cream truck straight up your ass. I want you to listen to something, listen to something punk, listen, that's voices, voices, you claim, you claim to be the voice of the voiceless, but that's a bunch of hot garbage, because here in the WWE Universe, there ain't no such thing as the voiceless, they have, they have voices. And they love to use their voice. They use it every single night. Every night they use their voice. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, they know something special is getting ready to happen right now. They're gonna use their voice. They're gonna chant the loudest chant you have ever heard. They're gonna chant. They're gonna chant something that is gonna follow you for the rest of your life. They're gonna chant, they're not gonna chant respect, they're not gonna chant best in the world, they're gonna chant exactly what you are. In three seconds, they're gonna chant cookie puss, cookie puss. (laughs)
4: puppets that you are. He got you chained about ice cream the same way I did a year and a half ago. Congratulations. They still don't get to win. You don't get to win.
0: They don't get to win. They don't get to win. Oh, they've already won. They've already won. See, that's something you fail to realize. They've already won. They won the moment The Rock woke up this morning at 4 a.m. The Rock woke up this morning at 4 a.m. He sent out his early morning tweet to the world. Then The Rock ate his famous pancakes. Then The Rock went to the gym, clanging and banging and clanging and banging. Then The Rock got in his pickup truck, and he drove up right up I-75, right through Alligator Alley. <laughs> Right through Alligator Alley, so The Rock could stand right here, right here in the middle of this ring, in front of you, in front of them, in front of the world, and proudly say, finally, The Rock has come! You see, punk, it's not just that The Rock is back. No, it's why The Rock is back. Here's why The Rock is back, for three reasons. The Rock is back to entertain them. The Rock is back to stop you. And after ten long years, ten long years, The Rock is back to win that. The Rock has watched the show every Monday Night Raw, watching you, watching you, you're you're, you're deceiving, you're backpedaling, you're lying. The Rock would watch the TV and he'd scream at the TV, good God Almighty, somebody tell this man they respect him, just so he'd shut his punk ass up. And while you're at it, somebody show this man a doctor. Is there a doctor in the house because, because a man who claims that he's straight edge, he's running around here looking exactly like Popeye on crack. (laughs) look at you punk eye the crackhead all you need right now is a little 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 thing in your mouth little little, (laughs) cm punk cm punk CM Punk, you have one of the most creative and innovative minds in the history of the WWE. The Rock knows it. You fail to use it. You became WWE champion, and you also became the biggest jerk the world has ever seen. The Rock can look look you in the eye and tell you this with all passion and with all heart. When The Rock is here, don't you ever say, the people don't matter. they matter they've always
4: mattered you're the one that doesn't matter oh i matter i'm the most successful it doesn't matter if you
0: matter (laughs) the only thing that matters is that you understand you get it straight in your head that at royal rumble there ain't no way And The Rock means no way you're going to stop The Rock from becoming WWE Champion.
4: Unlike a lot of people, I'm glad you're back. I don't care what your schedule is. I don't care if you work here 16 days a year, 365 days a year. You could be Santa Claus and have his schedule. You could one day a year. I'll still kick your ass. I don't care how many movies you film every year. I know how hard that schedule probably is. But every time you come back, whenever you decide to grace us with your presence, I'm going to kick your ass. Because this isn't Candyland. I'm like nobody you've ever faced before. You can make fun of the color of my t-shirt and you can talk about pie and you can sing songs and you can rhyme and you can do your tired, lame ass shtick. I just want you to know that come Royal Rumble and you have about three weeks to realize this, I'm gonna kick your ass because I'm the best in the world. I'm the best thing going today. I'm the best guy you've ever stepped foot in the ring with. And you need to understand, congratulations, Rock. You just graduated from the kiddie table, but you just bit off more than you can chew. You're playing Little League with your little insults and your rhymes and your millions and millions and your finales. and I'm in the big leagues, and I'm swinging for the fence. You need to understand that your little jabs and your insults, it's all kiddie games. You can't leave a mark on the champ's face. Come Royal Rumble. Understand when you step in the ring, your arms are just too short to box with God.
0: You may think that The Rock is boxing with God but The Rock knows for a fact you are going one-on-one with The Great One Don't you think Don't you think for one single solitary second that The Rock doesn't know how bad you are how dangerous you are how tough you are The Rock knows that 414 days The Rock knows The last time we are in the middle of this ring you hit The Rock with a GTS and you knocked him out cold cold as a block of ice The Rock didn't forget it. You hurt The Rock, you embarrassed The Rock. He said it before, he'll say it again. In 20 days, time's up. But here's the thing. This is what The Rock wants you to do from now until then. The Rock wants you to go home and think about the next 20 days. As a matter of fact, The Rock wants you to go home and look in the mirror. As a matter of fact, The Rock wants you to go home, look in the mirror, and strip naked. That's what The Rock wants you to do. Go ahead and look at yourself. Don't concentrate on your cookie, puss. Turn around and look at your backside. Turn around, look at your backside. And let's try and find a small space on this body that's not covered in ugly tattoos. Because The Rock wants you to get two more tattoos. Some more tattoos. Here's the thing. Go ahead. On your left butt cheek, The Rock wants you to get a tattoo of a big fat M&M. And then add a Snickers, a Milky Way, a Mounds. You can't have an Almond Joy because unlike you, Almond Joys actually have nuts. And then, and then on your right butt cheek, this is what The Rock wants you to do. The Rock wants you to get the tattoo of The Rock's size 15 shoe. So you will have a lifetime reminder of how badly The Rock is going to kick your candy ass at Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. rock bottom! Rock bottom! Amen! Oh, rock bottom!
3: Following this segment on Monday Night Raw, superstar Billy Graham said the following, I watched the last hour of WWE Raw last night. It was the worst excuse for a show I have ever seen. My agent Scott is tight with legendary world champion Bruno San Martino. Scott had told me that WWE had been calling Bruno regularly, begging him to go into the Hall of Fame. Bruno has been polite, but has always said no thank you. Tonight on Raw, for the last forty five minutes of the show, all they did was have CM Punk talk, talk, and more talk. The killer line claim came when Vince had Punk putting over his three hundred and fourteen straight days as world champ. And then I then said and I quote you had people like Bruno Sammartino only wrestled in Madison Square Garden, only wrestled once a month. This was by far the biggest put down of Bruno ever. Why would WWE have CM Punk say that about someone that they have begging, been begging to go into the Hall of Fame for untold years? When that teenager looking CM Punk made that statement, he was also talking about me, Ivan Koloff, Stan Hansen, etc., Find a rerun and listen closely and answer me, answer me this on my Facebook friends. How can they justify putting down a real icon like this and not get called out on it? Any news sites could quote me on my statement below. CM Punk, I have lost all respect for you for not saying no to the writers of the WWE for saying Bruno San Martino only wrestled once a month in Madison Square Garden. You talk about one of the greatest icons ever in pro wrestling like he was a jobber. You should be ashamed of yourself to not only have the self-dignity to say no to the writers on that line. That line you delivered indicates that I am a big loser like Bruno as well and insults me as I wrestled in the same era as Bruno. This only confirms more that I want my name out of the WWE Hall of Fame. How many monthly sellouts have you yourself drawn in Madison Square Garden? Not a pay-per-view or the Raw TV show. Quit trash-talking about Bruno. It's an insult to him and all the wrestlers of his era, including myself. Superstar Billy Graham. Chris Jericho's response on Twitter, plain and simple. Dear Superstar Billy Graham, shut the hell up. Stop being such a mark. Your pal, Chris Jericho. 2014, Daniel Bryan broke free from the Wyatt family. I remember not too long ago, we talked on the history segment of uh, Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatt family. Well, this week, he actually broke free. If you remember, he and Bray Wyatt lost to the Usos in a steel cage match. Daniel Bryan then went on the attack against Bray Wyatt. Kraut went bananas for it. I watched the footage again this week. It was a cool moment, even though I remember at that time we were all confused why they put... Daniel Bryan and the Y family's forest storyline. It just, it just didn't feel right. Let's start wrapping this up. 2014, on Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton attacked John Cena's father, who was sitting at ringside. The only thing I always remember from that segment was I think it was family members uh, right next to Cena's father laughing during the segment. Totally horrendous. Randy Orton should have gave that fucking woman the RKO Uh, We also had a fun match that night Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins Defeating CM Punk and the New Age Outlaws New Age Outlaws actually turned on CM Punk that night Uh, That same week, we were uh, surprised to find out Ultimate Warrior was going to be the headliner For the WWE Hall of Fame 2015, Randy Savage was announced to be headlining the WWE Hall of Fame. And with all these Hall of Fame announcements that took place this week in history, you would have thought by now, or at least the January 15th edition of Raw, that they would announce a one. And I know a lot of you are going to say, ah, they're just waiting for Raw 25. I get it, but uh, it's not necessary, but you know, I guess it'll be cool. Hey, maybe we'll find out that uh, Undertaker is going to be headlining the Hall of Fame this year. Don't hold me on it. I'm just just saying. 2016, Sting was announced as the headliner for the WWE Hall of Fame. And during that night, 2016, there was an in ring segment between the Usos and Chris Jericho. And you know, this just goes to show you that people always have race on their minds. I saw recently there was, um you know, there was a clothing store that uh, said biggest gorilla in the jungle. You know, it's a fa- phrase. They had a black kid wearing the shirt. Right away, people are triggered. Racism, racism. The mother of the kid told everybody, lighten the fuck up. It wasn't meant to be racist. It's not racist. Stop thinking everything was racist. Well, two years ago, to set up a match between... The New Day versus The Usos with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho made this little blurb about The Usos.
0: Now, I might not have wrestling gear
4: on, but here's what I propose to you. How about we have a match here tonight with Kofi Kingston and Big E. He's got an E for a name, Big E. And in their corner, Javier Woods against... The Usos right here. My back of the
3: bus brothers right here. Back of the bus brothers. Right away, some people triggered. Rosa Parks, how could you say that? Usos. Well, they obviously clarified it later on because back of the bus. Now, look, I'm not going to get into the whole thing. The clip is still on TV Tracks' channel. All you got to do is search Don Tony back of the bus and you could hear it. But basically, back of the bus brothers is a a phrase for the guys that tour, that sit on the back of the bus and they play cards and they goof around. In fact, I even think two years ago, the Usos posted a photo on their Twitter of Jericho hanging out with the Usos on the back of the bus playing cards. So in no way, shape or form was that meant to be racist. But some people took it the wrong way. And luckily, it got cleared up almost immediately. Thank God. And you know, before we close it out, can't believe it's already one year. One year ago this week, Tyler Bate defeats Pete Dunn to become the first ever WWE UK champion. Not too bad. Can't believe it's already a year gone by. Wow. The following are celebrating birthdays this week, but are no longer with us. Bearcat Wright, Pez Watley, Gory Guerrero, Don McGee, Eddie Graham, Luna Vashan, Big Dick Dudley, Tommy Gilbert, Billy Firehawk, and John Cronus. Happy birthday also to Abdullah the Butcher, who turned 77. Strong Kobayashi, 74. Colonel De Beer, 73. Bruce Hart, 68. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Scott Casey, and B. Brian Blair all turned 64. Ranger Ross turned 63 jerry estrada 60 negro casas 58 Volano number five tony puccio and the punisher turn 56 ernest the cat miller 54 silver king gene Snitsky, shane mcmahon and buff bagwell all turn 48 brian christopher turns 46 magnum tokyo 45 donovan morgan and todd grisham turn 42 tamina snooker turns 40 and King Mo, Chrissy Vane, Shad Gaspar turned 37, Mason Ryan 36, Matt Riddle 32, VSK and Kelly Kelly turned 31, and finally Ruby Riot turned 27. Notable deaths this week, Count Billy Varga passed away at age 94, Mae Young died this week at age 90 in history, The Wolfman at age 80, Rapid Ricky Romero at age 74, Jimmy Superfly Snooker Jack Barnes at age 73, Bobby Fuller at age 70, Coco Samoa age 62, MS1 and Rex King died this week in history at age 55, Hillbilly Cousin Jr. at age 48, L Texano at age 47, and last but not least, Oyama Kato died at age 42. And with that said, we are done. I hope you enjoyed this week in wrestling history. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter, at D. the website, dontony.com. If you like what we do and you can't get enough of it, please consider signing up on our Patreon page. Helps pay the bills, Patreon.com slash Tony. For everybody who's been asking that has not signed up on Patreon, if they could get a little sample of the podcast that we do there. This week, I posted a two-and-a-half-hour episode of Breakfast Soup that Mission I did this past Wednesday. If you have not downloaded it yet, please do so. We talked about so much shit wrestling and non-wrestling-wise, and it's one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. So go check that out. And uh, that's it. So I hope you enjoyed this again. I'll be back next Monday, the 22nd of January with your next edition of this week in wrestling history. Take care, everyone. Be well. Ciao.
2: Bet Saratoga this summer with NYRA Betts, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today.